Welcome back to Girls Across the Pond. Hello, darling. How have you been? I've I have been you. good. How we are have you? I'm great. We have so much to talk about. I'm back in Colorado. You have moved. You're in your place of residence. And we've got all sorts of things. If you've never joined us, we are a mother-daughter duo, duo <laughs> across, <laughs> across the pond. You are living in England. I am mm -hmm. living in the U.S. and we get together and chat about everything moms and daughters do. So we're glad you're here. Welcome. Grab a cup of coffee, glass of water, glass of tea, and join us across the pond. How have you been? Oh my gosh, so, so good. I am back in Colorado. <laughs> I feel like such a nomad. <laughs> I was in Colorado, I was in Florida, I'm here. Where am I? Where is Ellen? Ellen is back in Colorado. We, we actually drove this time and uh, came back to spend a couple months here for the summer, which is pretty nice. We just had a hurricane that passed mm -hmm. Murphy's Law. We move out there and sure enough, the first hurricane of the season comes right by where we're living. It just, uh, we got some really bad wind there, but no damage, which is nice. The um, association we live with sent a little notification out that the, the grounds were checked and nothing was damaged. So that's good, but we missed it. We took off before that baby yeah. hit town. So we're back in Colorado right now. How about mm. you, darling? Well, that's very nice. It's good to hear that you're safe and sound. Um, safe and sound. I'm, I'm well. It's, there's been so many things that have Do tell, happened. do tell. <laughs> well, I am in my new place. Yeah. Um, I've moved out of student accommodation into my new location with my flatmate. Um, she's been gone for the past week, going back, like she went back home for summer for a little bit to see some of her old friends and stuff. So I've just been vibing here on my own, which is fine. I'm introverted. I have been enjoying it. Um, <laughs> and my brother just came up this week for a couple of days to Leeds to say hi, pop his head in, hang out together, which was just great. Um, yeah. It, anytime I'm with him, I always forget. No, I'm always reminded every time I'm with him how extroverted he is. He because really it reminds is. me it, we are <laughs> like the two poles. Like I am so in, like I know I'm introverted, but it's when I'm with extroverts that I really realize that I'm introverted. I'm like, holy crap! Um, and he's very very extroverted so he was always like oh yeah let's go do something and i was like oh my god i'm i'm worn but like i wanted to hang out because you know he wasn't here for long but i was like really getting fatigued so a lot of like nights we just like chilled but we did stuff during the day which was cool so we played some tennis for about two hours which was really really fun nice um and that was great and then we did go on this it wasn't really a hike because there was no like incline to it so it was more of a trail Mm -hmm. um Should we I just kind of walked it down by the docks there's like a canal that goes through Leeds so we walked down by the water there which he really enjoyed we had a lot of prey so. prey mache I yeah. actually Pret's, looked that up Pret's prey uh, no I actually looked it up and I know uh, you sent it to me I did. I went on some uh, videos, YouTube of employees, and they actually call that pret a mage. If you're going to say yeah. mage, you better say pret. It doesn't make any sense to say pret a mage, but whatever. Okay, you just you just counteracted yourself. Why? You you said if you're going to say mage, it makes no sense to not say pret, and then you said don't call it like pret a mage. 
okay, well, you know what I mean. If you're going to say a hard T, then don't say the French manger. I right? think, I, I don't, I think in French it's pronounced, but it's not enunciated. So the T is more of an asphyxiated stop than it is a T. So yeah. it's like, prêt à manger. I mm -hmm. think, I'm not a native French speaker, so I couldn't tell you, but I think it's more of just like a harsh stop, which is where it gets that prêt à manger, mm -hmm. but I could be completely prêt. wrong. I don't think it's just pray. Right. I um, think we're saying it wrong. But I had learned in French, and I what I learned in French was like teeny tiny. Um, but I had learned that if there was a consonant, as we know it, at the end of a word, it's silent. Yeah. For the most part, I think that's the way it is. Which is why I would say pray a manger. Mm -hmm. But everybody there says pret a manger. Yeah, everybody Anyways. here just says pret. Anyways, and we had that a lot. <laughs> And Simon had the, they have the Christmas sandwiches out. Yeah, I don't know what's going on. I don't go there a lot, um, but we walked in and they just had the Christmas sandwiches out and I have never seen my brother so euphoric. I know, it's July. <laughs> yeah. And they had Christmas sandwiches. He sent me a, a Snapchat with a picture. <laughs> yeah. And then um, yesterday, because today is Thursday that we're recording this yesterday I had another Korean lesson with my Korean tutor how'd it go um it was good she had been gone she took like a month hiatus from teaching just because she went back to South Korea for like some family event that she had um but she had to do they have a two-week quarantine in coming to the country so she was oh. only there for two weeks but she had to do two weeks of quarantine too mm -hmm. so she didn't teach for a month so it had been over a month since we'd last spoken and I was really nervous because as an introverted language learner, it's really hard for me to get speaking practice opportunities because I don't actively go and seek to like call other people for language exchange and anything. It's just not really my thing. I'd rather text than call, which is speaking practice at that point. That's texting practice. I think um, that's most kids your age would rather text than call. Yeah, mm, I don't know. I know quite a few people that are call oriented. I know tons of people that are call oriented, but- Is that um, right? Okay. Anyways. Um, I was nervous because I hadn't done any sort of Korean speaking practice for over a month, but it was, we would, had talked for quite a bit because we like to do, um, she caters to like whatever um, the student wants. And she knows like when I first reached out to her, I was like, I really want to put an emphasis on speaking because I don't do that a lot. So if I have the opportunity to call somebody and talk, I want to talk. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, and so we look at grammar and we do revisions and stuff and I get homework and I fill it out and stuff, which is great. And I love that. But we still do a lot of just casual speaking practice about what are you doing this weekend? Um, like have, how many times do you, I don't know, go about learning Korean in a week? Oh, what are your hobbies? Oh, did you see that one K drama or whatever? So we do have like quite a bit of that language exchange, which is nice. Did you talk about stir fries? <laughs> stir fries our last episode you said if i don't have any re reason to say the word stir fry why am i learning stir fry oh which, I think, by the way is polka polka yeah you said that, that yeah. last i i find that whenever i do duolingo i mean what is the thing in russian that they keep talking about taxi they keep enunciating the word taxi which in russian is taxi <laughs> oh same in <laughs> korean it's taxi yeah but they keep why are they bothering to tell me that? I, I don't know. I guess they figure if you're going to Russia, you won't have a, a rent-a-car, and so you'll need a taxi, and that's how you say it. But it's just a funny word to put at the top of the list of things you need to learn, kind of mm -hmm. like stir-fry. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, you said you wanted to do some ketchup. Go ahead. Oh, yeah. So 
this is a fun story just about things that are going on in my life. And um, well, we, we kind of talked on this on our own isolated call, which is why I want to bring it up. And then it branched into its own story. But I've been <laughs> for anybody that like is up on up and dated on the memes and stereotypes of like people online, this will be very funny. But uh, if you're not, you'll just be like, why? Why is it funny? But I've been on Reddit a lot um, lately. And I told this to you. Um, Reddit has a funny stereotype around it. But I actually have been really enjoying Reddit and just having like a lot of somewhat intellectual conversations with people online, as well as the fact that like, so I'm I'm really into Myers-Briggs. We've been new. Joan, we got it. You're an INTJ. You're screaming from the tops of the trees. Got it. Move on. Um, Anyways, I'm on a Reddit board for a whole bunch of Meyer Briggs types. I'm on the Reddit subreddit for like the actual INTJ personality type. So there's like a little tag by my name that says I'm an INTJ. But the nice thing, one of the nice things about having the stereotype INTJ is there's a stereotype around that personality type that they're a little bit more cold and blunt. Mm -hmm. um, and so when I have that tag on Reddit, I don't really feel pressured to be like bright nice. and perky online. <laughs> Well, I was going to say that, yeah, because that is part of it. But like <laughs> online, because you can't see another person's face, text tone can be taken way out of context all the time. And oh, I've yeah. been victim on both sides of that spectrum where I've taken something out of context. And I've also said something that was taken out of context. Mm -hmm. um, so I tend to come across a lot more like excited and warm online than I am in person because I'm more I'm a little bit more concerned that somebody's going to take what I say the wrong way right Not because I well I mean I don't want to offend them but I just like want somebody to know what I'm talking about when I say something so but with that like I don't know quote-unquote stereotype following me around with the INTJ there's like no pressure to be like warm and perky on reddit I can just use proper grammar in what I'm saying online and people will 100% just get it and that's <laughs> just been very nice you found um, your people. Yeah, anyway, my, my people are on Reddit. Um, <laughs> <laughs> anyways, I was on um, one of these Meyer Briggs boards, and it's one that's specifically for people who don't know what their type is and want to be typed. Because answering questions to an online test or like multiple choice questionnaires, it's not very personalized. It's like, wow, do you like going to parties? Yes or no? Do I know. you think or do you feel? <laughs> Do yeah. you look at the past or the present? Wow, you, sir, are an ENFP, like, based on those kind of questions. So right. a lot of, like, they, they're very unreliable. So there's a subreddit where you can, like, fill out a questionnaire that's, like, really detailed. And then people on Reddit can look at it and analyze based off of your, like, actual paragraph responses. Um, what type they think you are based off of your cognitive functions. And it's built around the cognitive function stack by um, Carl Jung, I believe. Um, so it's, it's based on, um, wow, psychology. That was really hard for me to find the word for that apparently. Um, but it's based off of psychological like an analysis, um, which is like how that stemmed. But anyways, I was on one of those boards and I was helping type a couple people because I've been really into it as we know. So I have a generally okay understanding of the cognitive functions and how they work and where you can see them in different people in different spots. So I've been trying to help type people online, mainly out of boredom, and I find it fun because it's kind of like a puzzle that you're trying to solve. And I'm like, oh, let me let me figure out what you are. Okay, here's your FI and here's your SE or whatever it is. You must be an ESFJ or whatever. Um, but I was doing that and somebody sent me a message privately on Reddit and they were like, hey, um, 
you seem to like know a fair amount of typing is what it's called like typing um and they're like i have a i'm part of a discord server that helps type people would you be interested in joining and i was like okay sure but he was like yeah i'm i'm on this discord server that's like made to help type people um and you seem to know a fair amount of myers-wigs like cognitive function stacks would you be interested in just coming and helping to type no worries if no like kind of thing and i was like sure yeah why not so he added me to the discord server and i you know was there there's like over like 300 something people on it um, and, you know, I talked to the person that did the, that like ran the entire server and like, you know, we had a conversation and they just like, let me be a typist. So now I'm on this discord server helping type people and it is so crazy cool. I'm really into it right now, but the people, the typists, the other typists, first of all, all the typists are volunteers. It's not a paid gig or anything. We're just there to help type people. And people just show up to the Discord looking to be typed, and they just, like, wait in the queue. And then a typist will get around with them, have a whole bunch of conversations. And then the typists, like, um, talk with each other and discuss based off of their answers. Like, and we'll discuss, like, in conversation where they use what, psych like, like, functions and stuff. And, like, I thought... I was pretty well educated on it. I definitely know more than the average person does, like significantly more than the average person. But yes, I was do. like watching a whole bunch of these guys do it and they were flying through it. And I was like, wow, that's, oh my God, that's, I never thought of it, about it that way. Oh, like this is, oh yeah, you're right. You can see this function here. And I didn't even see that or whatever, but it, um, yeah, it's just been really cool. And I've been enjoying spending my time doing that instead of like watching a mindless TV show. It's mm -hmm. been really fun. Um, because it's like solving puzzles. It really is. That's just, but I will say doing that has made me significantly question my own type in the aspect of somebody will say something and I'll like, be like, yeah, I really relate to that. Like there was one person that I was typing and they had a fair amount in common with me when it came to their thought process. And they were going through all this stuff that they were talking about and, and they ended up being typed. We agreed as an ESTJ. And I was like, oh, that's very far from what I am. But mm -hmm. I was surprised that I had that much like in common with what they were saying. And obviously, you know, stereotypes are stereotypes and not every type belongs to their stereotype. And, you know, we're isolating Myers-Briggs from cognitive functions and we're assigning them functions, not a Myers-Briggs type. Um, but we were looking at like all this stuff and I was like, yeah, this has made me question my own type. Like, am I just typing myself based off of what I actually do, or am I typing myself off of what I think I do and would like to do, but don't do? Mm -hmm. um, so it's been a crazy... I have to say, as a parent, this is, this is a mother talking to a daughter here, um, and you can edit this out if you want, but I do think that you oftentimes will settle for something that's comfortable because you doubt yourself on, on all sorts of things. And I think that's normal for people to do that, but I think you you tend to find a comfort zone and go, well, yeah, this is where I am and, and I'm there and don't bother me. I'm there. <laughs> and as a parent, I look at you and I think you are so multifaceted. You can do so many things. And, and one of those things is you can work a room. You can go in there and be one of the most intellectually stimulating, interesting people in a room, but you sell yourself on, yes, I'm an introvert and you're comfortable in my, your little introvert box. But I think, you know, there's, and, and you've said before that you had quite a few friends who um, back when you were marching that would say, you're not an, an introvert at all. You're a total extrovert. And you've classified that well, as, yeah, 
depends who I'm around, right? No, 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 no. That's I no, don't no, no, classify no. that. I'm going to correct you. I don't <laughs> I don't classify myself off of being introverted and extroverted based off of who I'm around. I definitely don't. I when it comes to so first of all, social introversion and cognitive introversion are very different things. When we're looking at cognitive functions and the function stacks of when you would be determined as an ESTJ or an ISTJ or whatever it is, the I and the E doesn't mean, okay, I'm an I, so I like staying at home on weekends. And the E doesn't mean I like going to parties on the weekends. That's not what it is. It just Mm -hmm. means that the first function in your function stack is an outwards expressed function. So for example, if we look at an ENTJ as opposed to an INTJ, the ENTJ will have an extroverted thinking function, and ENTJs are really commonly socially introverted, as in they aren't extroverts, they don't go out and like seek those opportunities, but their thinking process is an extroverted thinking process that involves engaging in the, the world, and that's their first function, so they would be defined as a cognitive extrovert versus mm-hmm. a cognitive introvert with somebody with an introverted first function. That's, that's the difference there. But I will say when it comes to me flip-flopping between like some people being like, no, Joan, you're really like, you're confident. You're like, you have a plan in store. You know what you want. You, you're very logical. And then other people being like, you are so quiet. I was thinking about that because it was part of that whole identity crisis because I was like, (laughs) I was like, is extroverted thinking my first function? What identity crisis? My identity Did crisis. Of, <laughs> my identity crisis of am I mistyped? Have I mistyped myself? That, oh, that identity okay. crisis. Um, because <laughs> like, I was what? thinking like maybe perhaps my extroverted thinking. Because as an INTJ, I do have the extroverted thinking trait. Um, and I was like maybe extroverted thinking is my first function, and mm-hmm. I would be more of an ENTJ, where I am an introvert, but I have an extroverted focused cognitive function. I that crossed my mind, but. When it comes to socially introverted and extroverted, when it's social, I'm quiet. Unless there is an overlying purpose for me not to be. In the aspect of, okay, I'm at school and I'm here to learn. I'm here to pro- do to do a task to like, for example, let's look at the conservatory that I went to from like ages nine to 18. I was there to learn music. And yeah, like, you know, making friends is fun and it's fun to like, you know, have a good time and be enjoyable and other people to like engaging with me and stuff like that's a plus. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, I was there to learn and hone in on my craft. Mm -hmm. So there was a reason for me to be socially extroverted in that scenario. Like to learn, I had to be socially extroverted or at school now in college, when I'm focused on running the group task, I was like, okay, I am this sounds rude, but I don't care. I am the most like suited to be the leader in this stance. I'm the most action oriented out of the people in this group. I'll step up and take this leader role and help plan and get the ball rolling. That's, that's kind of how I see it versus if you look at me like at church or something where it's really just a social interaction and it's not, there's no overlying point. Like the reason I'm there is not to make friends, but the reason I'm there is also not because I need to get something done. I'm significantly more quiet there because I don't have a reason that I necessarily need to put my energy into the social aspect of things, Mm -hmm. which is why socially I classify myself as an introvert. Plus just the fact that I prefer being alone, I think makes me a social introvert. Um, But that was the long explicit tangent on the fact that cognitive introversion and extroversion and socially introverted and extroverted are very different things. Yeah, those uh, those uh, stacks that you showed me, I thought really were 
it's funny that they come at the end of Myers-Briggs once you figure out your your little type and then you start looking at the stacks and the, those are much more applicable and really, really put things into perspective. Like you say, the introvert and extrovert kind of thing. Mm -hmm. um, and it's, suddenly it's funny. it just all makes sense. It's really funny because the 16 personalities, so the 16 personalities test that you see online that like everybody takes and they get a little character that's like a little color that they all like and they're like, I'm this letter, like wing A or T or whatever. It's, mm -hmm. it's fun, and it gives you very surface-level Myers-Briggs, but it was invented and created, that Myers-Briggs was created by a mother-daughter duo, actually, fun fact. Yes, that um, was. And it, it's based off of the cognitive functions, but that test does not explicitly seek out the cognitive functions. So very frequently, people on the 16 personalities test will get mistyped as an intuitive type over a sensing type because they're like, well, I don't always break the rule. Like, I, I don't always follow the rules. Okay. They're like, boom, intuitive when it's not like that. Or like somebody would be like, yeah, I worry about the future, which would be, you know, intuitive is about future focused, big picture. So people saying, I worry about the future. They're like, oh, well, that's intuition. But if it's a worry or a fear then it's classified as a lower type and that would in result mean more of a sensing type. So like there's, there's a leeway that you can't just define with, okay, yes, I agree with this. No, I don't agree with this, which is why it's sort of, it's nice on a surface level if you don't want to do any more exploring on it. But if you actually are interested in learning and the cognitive functions and trying to figure that out and you know, you want to read on shadow types and like what your blind spot type is and all this crazy stuff that I'm now exploring and opening my mind to now that I've become a typist on this discord server. Like, don't start with that. <laughs> that was my whole tangent. If you're just joining us for the first time, she's a music major. She's not a psychology major. <laughs> But you, you wouldn't know, know it from what, what you just heard. <laughs> you know what was so great on Reddit? I found, I was on the INTJ board, no surprise. That's probably where I spend most of my time because there's a lot of people that just like intellectually stimulating things. They just like to find stuff out. And one of the posts on there was just a question discussion board. And it was like, what is everybody studying in their free time at the moment? And there were just like all these responses of people being like quantum physics or like somebody's like computer tech science. And they're like, I'm just, it has nothing to do with my job, but I'm doing that. And I commented and I was like, oh yeah, I'm studying Korean in my free time. And now I'm going through the psychoanalysis of the cognitive function stacks and like working on typing people. And, you know, I'm also like really into like American history right now and looking at, at the, the, those, you know, events mm -hmm. um, and all this stuff. And a whole bunch of people respond and they're like, wow, like language learning, that's really cool. And like all this stuff. And then it was just like really fun. And it was really nice to know that there are other people online that like learning things and going in depth because a lot of my, not to roast any of my friends, I love my friends. But I do that the most out of all my friends. <laughs> oh, yeah, you do. I think, you know, these years in college, it's so important that you guys both went off to college. And if there's any parents listening and looking for advice, it's you, college, doing college in your own city where you grew up and everything, it's great because certainly a lot more affordable and it's hard to let your kids go. I mean, you're four or five, 6,000 miles. I don't, I don't want to look at how far you are away because <laughs> I don't want to know. Um, but you're overseas and studying and that's really, really hard. But I have to tell you, going out for those few years while you're still under our net in the safety net of your parents are here to help and blah, blah, blah. Um, but really starting to stretch your knowledge and, and learn from 
other people and, and experience new things, man. This is such a great time in your life. And I'm so glad you're doing that, even though it's a little bit of a distraction from music right now, but you're on summer break. So why ever not? Um, it's just nice to see you exploring and finding that there's other people there that are like you. Because I think when we, we all go to high school, our high schools are very small, even though you went to a really big one, it was still pretty small. And it was hard to find other people in your groove. And that makes you feel like you're very, very alone in the world and you're not you're not at all. There's people out there like you who are doing exactly the same things. And um, you'll make some some good friends that way. I do think it's really interesting that if we're going off cognitive functions, um, all of my closest friends, like ever, that I can think of, yeah, have been typed as a feeling type. Mm -hmm. I have never had another really, really close friend that was typed as a thinking type. And I'm a thinking type. Mm -hmm. And so even though I, I consider all my friends really, really smart, they supposedly, um, because I don't know if maybe they're mistyped or whatever, um, but supposedly <laughs> they all have the higher function of, think of feeling over thinking. And so I find that interesting that I also, you know, experienced that, oh, none of my friends also really like, you know, learning about some of the things that I really enjoy learning about kind of dilemma. But I mean, I learn a lot from them, so. Don't you suppose that friendships, somebody has to be a thinker in there? I mean, if you're too, um, I'm sorry, you, don't you feel that there should be a feeler in there? If you have two thinkers, I mean, that's kind of like the cast of Big Bang Theory, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, there's <laughs> there's no feelers there. They're all just, you know, working cognitively. You know, what I think is interesting <laughs> is that everybody in our family, so I've made everybody in our family take this test, the, the 16 personalities version, so you know, there could be mistyping. And I'm currently, now that I spent the weekend with my brother, trying to analyze what his type is. And I don't know if his type is his type because he's kind of got hands in all buckets. So I'm trying to psychoanalyze him without telling him. Shh. Um, anyways, everybody in our family but me is a feeling type. You have been typed as an ISFJ. My brother is typed as an ENFJ and our dad is typed as an INFJ. So I'm the only T in the family. And I think it's so funny how many times at least everybody in the family has at least told me you need to think uh, like you need to like look at what the other person is feeling right now. Yeah. When I do stuff and I get mad at people and I'm like, mm. <laughs> and you're like, put yourself in the other person's shoes kind of thing. That's a very, very hard thing for me to do because well, I'm going to validate it by cognitive functions and psychoanalysis. I'm using facts and logic to back up my point, like a thinking type would do. Um, but my, supposedly, in my, in my cognitive function stack, I'd have introverted feeling, which is an inward, morally valued, how do I feel about this, and not extroverted feeling, how does the world feel about this, how does the room, like, how does everybody else feel about this, kind yeah. of more people-pleasing, if I'm going to oversimplify it kind of thing. So even when I am emotional, cause I do think I'm an emotional person, just not outwardly emotional. Like I, I'm more concerned with how I feel and react to a situation. And then it's like, Oh, I have to pay attention to other people. Mm. It's something I struggle with, but now that I'm aware of that, hopefully I can work on it. Yeah. I think all of these kind of things that you're studying are good because you do learn about other people. I certainly mm. am concerned about other people. If they're not comfortable in the room, I want to make them comfortable. Uh, 
Yeah, that you like, know why? Because your type is an FJ, which would mean you have extroverted feeling. Yeah. I I don't like people being uncomfortable. Like we had talked before about um awkward silence. To me, awkward silence means somebody's uncomfortable and they don't want to talk or they don't feel like they can talk or they don't feel like they have a place to talk and I want to make sure that they feel like they have a voice in the room somewhere. So I will reach out and make sure that they will feel comfortable. I don't, I mean, I don't go out of my way to make sure people are uncomfortable, but I don't think I, I actively, I, I don't think I actively care. Like, <laughs> it sounds blunt, but I mean, to be frank, that's true. Like I oh. do care. Like if somebody came to me and was like, I'm really upset. Can I talk with you? I'd be like, yeah, of course. Oh, I'd be yeah, like, totally. Yeah. Let's sit down and talk. Even if yeah. it doesn't involve me, if it does involve me, yeah, you can come and talk to me and we'll, whatever it is, I'll listen. But in like a group setting, if we're, you know, like, let's say we're working on a school project, I'm, I lean more towards this is what's beneficial for the group. This is the best yes. plan of action. And this is the best course to take to execute what we're working towards over, well, everybody else was kind of leaning this way. So maybe not. And like, you know, if everybody vetoes me, then that's one thing, but I'll advocate for like, no, this is probably the best course of action. And this is why. Yeah. towards the group even if not everybody agrees I'll try and persuade and be like this is probably what the best course of action would be if we're trying to execute x it should go like this <laughs> now if you have a group and you're working like that and you you've explained why you want to do what you want to do and everybody's buying into it except maybe one or two people and they sort of pull away do you work to pull them back in or do you just let them do their thing because they, I would pull them back in if they didn't think like if they were like I don't know if that's the best course of action I would say what's tripping you up about this not like in a, an accusatory like what's your problem but like where are you seeing the issue so we mm -hmm. can work on it like where where is it not either like if I'm teaching somebody and they don't get a concept and I'm like where's where are you tripping up let's mm -hmm. focus on that kind of thing if they're like I'm like where do you see the flaw in this plan so we can work around it and adjust to it but if they're just like oh maybe my point wasn't as good <laughs> I yeah, say, yeah, I think your point isn't as good, but I'll be like, okay, well then let's work on this, bring everybody in, divide and conquer the tasks and let's go. Mm. I would want to make sure they felt valued in some way and bring them I back in. I see the, give... man, maybe I, <laughs> I'm a poor leader, but I do like oh. the, the value is not coming up with the idea. If that's the no, best not course of action, I think, you know. I see a lot of group tasks as we are working towards blank. The mm -hmm. end of the day, that's what needs to get done. I, if you right. have a problem about it getting done, then that's your problem. This needs to get done. That's how I feel. Cause I'm like, yeah. it's the same way. Like when people don't contribute in a group project, I get really frustrated and I'll do the work for them. Mm -hmm. Cause I'm like, if you're not going to do the work, that's fine. I'll do right. it for you and mm -hmm. we'll get it done. Right. Because they're completely getting... checked out. Yeah. And yeah. I like, I actually had this conversation with my flatmate, um, because she's more of a feeling type. Um, and I was mentioning that at one time in the school year, I had a group project where there was one person who wasn't contributing to the project at all, but they'd still show up to class and they mentioned something about their sleep cycle, just being like completely out of whack. And them just like not really having a lot of motivation to like watch the lectures and stuff online. And I was telling this to my flatmate just in casual conversation. And I was like, I'm getting really frustrated because they're not 
carrying their weight Mm -hmm. and they seem to just be sleeping through everything and it's really frustrating because if all they're doing is sleeping over doing the task then I just see them being lazy right like that was my judgment on the thing and she was like okay but think about this from their perspective what if there's something they're 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 going through right now and they they might not want to like you know go do this because they're feeling weighed down by something else externally happening in their life and I was like I did not even consider that as an option I just saw it as like no work ethic (laughs) yeah which it might be it might be you might not be wrong with that but until you reach out and ask and see then you won't know see more my thing is like my attempt (laughs) to include people is giving them tasks like that sounds weird (laughs) like even if I'm not the leader even if I'm not the leader like if somebody's pulling away from the group, I will give them the option to come back into the group by doing something. So I'm go. like, great. Everybody in this group, like like let's say we're doing a business task. I'm like, great. Uh, you've worked on the marketing and you've worked on the finance part. How about you research our competitors and find out what our competitors are doing in this situation? Like I'll give them a task so that sure. they have an opportunity to make up for it. And then if they don't do that, then I'm like, okay, get out of the group. Yeah, that's an over exaggeration, but I get more frustrated the more opportunities I give them and the more they fall short because mm-hmm. it's kind of like if you fool me once, shame on me or other way around. If you fool me once, shame on you. If you fool me twice, shame on me. I'm that's like, right. if I keep giving you all these opportunities and you keep falling short, then I have mm-hmm. to make up for them. So right. I'm only going to give you a limited amount of chances because I don't want to have to overcompensate last minute yeah. when I could just do it myself. That's right. I swear I'm a good person. Anybody listening on first oh. impression, I'm not a jerk. No, I, you're a great person. We're talking about me planning out situations to try and execute a goal. And I am very goal oriented as a person. It's hard. I get tripped up with that as well at work. And, mm-hmm. and when you're working in group projects and things, I prefer to work mm-hmm. on, my, on my own because I'm like you. I, I just want to get it done kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But um, that's a really nice transition because today I wanted to talk about intuitions um, mm-hmm. and our, our gut feelings and how we, you know, should I reach out to this person or should I just let it go and whatever. And I have, um, I think maybe because I'm a, I have a little hair on my face, um, maybe because I'm a feeler, I don't know, but I certainly feel very in touch with my intuitions. Um, and the more I talk about them, the more I find that most people don't have the degree that I do, but I know I've mentioned in the past that sometimes I'm just walking through my day and I'll think, oh, I just feel something going on and, and it's hard to explain. And I came back, we're in Colorado right now. And one of my favorite books is here in the house and I have to go find it. And it's Eat, Pray, Love. I don't know if you've ever read that book. You've told me about it many a time. It is such a good book. Um, And that woman was certainly very intuitive. And, um, and I've had a couple of feelings from time to time. And you just sort of, you hear this voice in your head, sort of guiding you, um, or sometimes it's just a feeling. And, and usually when I get these things and they happen, not twice a year, but they happen sometimes a couple times a day. <laughs> I feel things a lot. Um, where you're just walking around and you think, oh, so-and-so is going to call. And the other day, I actually thought you were going to call me. And I grabbed my phone and I looked at it and I waited a sec and you didn't call. And I thought, oh, that's weird. I felt like you were going to call me. Um, but I'll just stop because you just feel something coming. And and it happens a lot. And apparently that doesn't happen to a lot of people. And you had mm-hmm. said before that that hadn't happened, but it's starting to, you're feeling it a little bit more. 
I experience gut intuition in the in a different way. The only way I feel it, like a gut intuition, the way you're talking about, is when it comes to eating foods, because sometimes mm. I just get a bad feeling that it might have a peanut in it. For anybody that doesn't know, I have a life threatening peanut allergy. If I eat mm. a nut, I'll just go in anaphylactic shock. Um, mm -hmm. But sometimes I'll just get a gut intuition that something maybe isn't the best for me and I'll look at the label and sometimes it won't even say that it has anything or it's made in a factory, but I'm still like, no, yeah, no, follow the gut. If I, just, follow the gut for if sure. I get a bad feeling sometimes, you know, who knows, maybe it's just a weird gut feeling. Maybe I ate something funny and it's a weird gut feeling, but like it, I'm not, I'm less inclined to eat it after I get that feeling. But that's probably the only time that I get really strong gut intuitions in that way. Mm -hmm. I more get, gut intuitions from like a it sounds weird like a deduction process I don't know I think I'm a little more observant of the world than people mm -hmm. than like the average person I'm not like a yeah. ton more I'm not like freaking Sherlock where I'm like you know no. deducing all very, these things about people you're analytical that's yeah. what you're feeling yes, yes that's that's the sure. right word to express it I'll, I'll look at something and I don't even know how, but I'll look at something and I start at A and then suddenly I'm at Z and I'm just like, oh, so this means this or mm -hmm. something. And it happened a lot more in the recording studio this past year. Um, and that's how I was like looking back and realizing it, but it would be a lot of things where I just, you know, I was on a lecture and we'd be like going through, um, you know, how to record stuff or how the sound wave works or something. And they'd ask a question and I'd just instantly answer and they hadn't gotten to that like part. They were just kind of like asking to see if pe people knew and I'd answer and like a couple of times they'd be like, well, how do you know? And I'd be like, well, it just makes sense that it would like that. Yeah. And, you know, I kind of got like a very light slap on the wrist because I still knew, but they were like, you should know how you know. Yeah. Kind of thing. And it's like almost like when that happens because that happens quite frequently, almost when that happens, it's like my brain was ahead of the thought. So it's yeah. like I got to A to Z, but I haven't quite worked out how I got there. It just kind of happened. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not that quick. <laughs> but sometimes I get feelings. There's There was a day back um, when you were still in high school here that it was snowing and you were coming back from the conservatory. And I just had a gut feeling about the freeway and it wasn't even about you driving it was just about the freeway and so I, I called you or text you or something I, I alerted you and I just just don't take the freeway home tonight because I just had this really weird feeling about the freeway mm -hmm. and I don't remember how you got home or whatever but it must have been side streets yeah you ended up taking side streets and it turned out that there was a big accident on the freeway and whether that meant you were going to be in that accident or not um or it was know. just just a feeling that hey, there's something going on there, and it, I didn't look at a nap. I just had a feeling don't don't go on the freeway, and um, mm -hmm. I I had a feeling back when I was um, back when I was pregnant with you actually, <laughs> and um, this but is the story cry. about I know I might I don't know I cry a lot. Um, this is the story about 9-11. I, I had my first kid, Simon, and he was only five months old when we got pregnant with you. <laughs> fabulous um and so the second time i got pregnant we wanted another kid not quite so fast but um when i first found out i was pregnant i had just a really really strong barrier feeling like i'm not 
going to be the mother of two children. And it wasn't the feeling of, I'm not going to have this child or I'm going to miscarry this child or whatever. It was the feeling that I will not be the mother of two children. And, and it was really strong. And um, you were like, I was like four months along with you and going on five months. And I was still like, not, not bonding with you at all. I was feeling you kick and everything. And I still was like, I am not going to be mother of two children. And um, we had planned a trip to New York um, when Simon was about 10 months old and we went out and uh, we have a lot of family there and we spent um, a Sunday evening, I think it was at, at a big family barbecue. And one of my cousins said, oh, you guys are planning to go into the city, which we were planning to do that week. And she said, let me just drive you in there. It's late on a Sunday night and there won't be a lot of traffic and I'll drive you around so you can really see where you want to go. And that was great. And we drove into the city and walked around. We kind of went to Rockefeller Plaza and went down to Chelsea Piers and all that stuff. We drove by the World Trade Center and looked up at that and that was all great. And um, so we kind of had a plan of action of what we wanted to do. And originally our plan was to go into the city very, very early, have breakfast, go up to the top of World Trade Center, look around, get some pictures, and then go down to Rockefeller Plaza and um, try to get on the Today Show. <laughs> mm -hmm. Big goal for New York City to go uh, be on the Today Show. And um, so that was the plan. But uh, on Monday night, we went to set our alarm to go in on the following morning, which was Tuesday. And I just, I, for some reason, I told my husband, I said, I just, um, I, didn't have, I didn't have a gut feeling about this, but I just said, I'm really tired. Let's not go in early. I don't, I don't want to go up the World Trade Center or anything like that. Let's just go in after the morning traffic and maybe get in there around 10 a.m. or so and do our thing. So we decided to do that. And we woke up around the eight o'clock hour. And that was the morning of September 11th. Um, when if we had gone in early, we may or may not, I don't know, have been on the top of the building at that time, because that's certainly where we had planned to be. And then, you know, that whole week was just mayhem. It was horrible, horrible to be in New York City at that time when that was happening. We actually lost two members of our family, extended members of our family who passed away. One was a fireman, one was a policeman. Oh, awful. Um, but we ended up going out to Martha's Vineyard and kind of holding our heads low and we went out to Nantucket and that was all great and stuff. And we finished, we came back like a week later, we came back to LA where we were living at that time. Okay. So to summarize so, yeah. the story, because she's <laughs> emotional. I'm an emotional um, mess. <laughs> basically she was coming home into LA. I kicked and she was like, whoa, I'm going to have this kid. I'm going to have this kid. And yeah. And, and we here I am 19 years later. It ended very well. So yeah, I get a, I get feelings like that a lot. Um, when we were just driving home to Colorado, um, we kept stopping at all these different places and um, it was hot and I was wearing shorts and I didn't really have shoes on until I got out of the car and threw some flip-flops on and we kept stopping because we have our dog with us. This was this was recently, right? This was like on last the way week. back to yeah. Colorado. Okay. Yeah, and we kept getting out at all these different stops, and we drove through uh, New Orleans, which was great. I'll have to tell you about that. And then we went through Dallas, and then we came up through um, New Mexico and up the southern route um, to come into Colorado Springs. And one of the stops I got out, we must have gotten out twenty times. This stop I got out, and I thought, "Ooh, watch out for rattlesnakes!" And I just had this really strong feeling to watch out for rattlesnakes. And so I looked down, and sure enough, there was one right by my foot, like about an inch away from my foot big fat thing, <laughs> big fat snake right by my foot. Um, but had I not had that feeling, I probably wouldn't look down. I might've stepped on him. Who knows? But I had that feeling right as I got out, watch out for rattlesnakes. 
So that's almost like a superpower. <laughs> I don't Honestly, know what it, is. it is. It's it's crazy. I think that like the fact that you're so in tuned to that is like crazy cool. Yeah. When the you, other, go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna ask when you like think of memories <sighs> in your head, like of well, memories, memories of past events. Do you like often, even just like any memory, like recall what you felt when like at that moment when you were in that memory? Like, because you were talking about that past story with 9-11 and you were like, yeah, I get emotional every time. Oh, man. Yeah. That one was really strong. Or like you remember like what things smelt like or what things tasted like or something like in a lot of memories. Uh, probably. I don't know. I'll have to pay attention. I, I, I don't, I don't connect with them that much. And it's more the feeling. I had a really weird feeling. We didn't talk about this before. Um, and I don't know if we're running too long, but this was a really weird feeling. I don't, I don't know that I'm that emotional, but I certainly feel connected to the universe. And I know that sounds very bogus and some people might tune us out with that, but there was a book a long time ago called The Secret that was, um, they marketed itself. It, yeah, they marketed itself on if you want to make a lot of money, you need to read this book and you need to think positively and you always need to picture money and money will come to you. Oh, Whatever. like manifesting? Yeah, a little bit. I but have a side tangent on manifesting. I had a thing that happened probably, I don't know, probably five, six years ago now where I had, there was a person that I had seen and we kept crossing paths and you've had this before where you just keep running into these people or you see them. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I just kept running into this person and seeing this person and um, I'd be driving and I would see their car. And so it was really weird. Um, I had taken a trip to um, California for a company I work for in distances. And I drove to the Colorado Springs airport and I don't usually fly out of, out of the Springs airport, um, but it's great. And you fly, you drive in and it's straight and it's very small and this is relevant. And there was like little beams of rocks and planters. And then you go off to the side and there's some more parking and then you go further out and there's another beam and there's more parking spots. And I was driving in, it was in July. And I remember there was a thunderstorm coming in and I thought, oh, I need to get in the building fast because thunderstorms in Colorado, if you have never been here, include hail and lightning. <laughs> so yeah. they're pretty, they're pretty nasty. So this, I could see this storm coming in as I was coming into the parking lot. And so I drove in and I drove by the the rocks and stuff and, and I parked my car and I didn't really pay attention to where I parked, but I'm, I have a pretty good memory for those kind of things. So I just sort of paid attention that I was by the, the rocks and I grabbed my carry-on and I darted into the building as fast as I could because sure enough, the skies opened up, the flights were delayed, it was awful. So I went in, did my trip, came back a couple days later and I got a, I landed at the airport at about 1130. And the Springs is- Or in the morning. At at night. And um, the Springs is really small and quick. And so I was in the parking lot by like 1145 from 1130 landing. And um, I got out to the parking lot and thought, oh, I don't really remember where I parked because <laughs> I ran in so fast. And um, so I, I do remember the, the rocks. And so I kind of, I went over to the second side of the rocks, which is, this is important to the story in case it seems irrelevant. And I walked up the aisle. And at that time I was driving my little Honda, which was, is a gold car with a little tire on the back. So it's pretty obvious to see. And I walked up the aisle where I thought I was and I was hitting my little, well, buzzer thing and the car was not beeping and so I thought okay well I probably parked on the next aisle so I walked down and walked down the next aisle and it wasn't there and I thought buzzing no 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 and I thought well I could have sworn I walked over the rocks the 
the theme of rocks with my, in fact, I remember walking over there because I drug my suitcase with me. So I walked up that aisle again and I was hitting the buzzer, looking around left and right. It's dark. Nobody else is out there. I would hear my car if it beeped and it didn't. And then I thought, well, maybe it's further out. And so I went out to the next part and it wasn't there. And I walked back down and I walked up the aisle and I thought, this is really weird. I'm pushing the button. I'm thinking, did I did I not lock the car? Is my battery dead? That's probably why I'm not hearing it because I know my car is right here somewhere. Can't find it. So I walked over the rocks thinking, well, maybe I didn't walk over the rocks. And so I walked up another aisle, the one closer to the terminal, not there. I'm looking both ways, hitting the buzzer, not there. And I did this probably four or five times down each aisle, hitting my buzzer. I can't find the car. So I do remember that when I parked it, it was facing the mountain, facing Pikes Peak at the time. So I was standing in an aisle and I called home and I woke up dad in the middle of the night and said, I, I think my car has been stolen. I don't, I don't know where this is. And he's like, that's weird. So I said, well, let me just walk up and down one more time and see if I can find this car. This is crazy. And he's like, okay, in the middle of the night, doesn't want to come downtown. So I hung up my phone and I had that feeling one of these feelings come over me and it was a voice and it said, look behind you. And it was you really- You heard strong. a voice say, look behind you? I heard this voice say, look behind you. Or I felt this voice saying, look behind you. And so I turned around and do you know what was right behind me? A giant monster. Yes! <laughs> no. A giant spider, the that car. Person, that person's car that I had kept crossing with. Just kept hitting- well, There was no person you mentioned. What person? No, in the beginning, I said, you know, I crossed paths with this person quite a few times and, you know, I'd see their car and whatever. I, I would just see them all the time, like bumping into this person that I didn't know, but I, I recognized because I kept running into this person. I was uh -huh. standing right in front of this person's car. I can't find my car. And I'm hearing a voice telling me to turn around and I look and there's their car. I'm thinking, that's so weird. And so I sort of backed away because I'm thinking, this is a really weird thing. Why would the voice, why would I hear this voice saying, look behind you? And their car was there. That's weird, right? That's weird. Mm -hmm. So I'm freaking out. And so I walked down the other aisle, walked over the rocks and walked down the other aisle. I hit my buzzer and my car, beep, beep, beep. This is the aisle I have walked down three or four times already. And my car is right there. Did I walk by my car four or five times? What happened? Must have done. Well, what probably happened is you were out of range when you hit the button on the aisle and then you hit it. Well, I mean, were you actively just like walking down, pushing it this fast? Yes, I was. But not the first time, because the first time I thought, oh, I'm parked down this aisle and I was facing the mountain and it was pretty obvious. And my car is a gold Honda CRV with the tire mm -hmm. on the back. It's pretty easy to spot that car. It's not like a black SUV. Like my Acura was like impossible to find because everybody has black SUVs. It was an easy car to find. I walked by my car four or five times. How could yeah, that no, that's be? That's not like you. I was going to say like what, what could have probably Weird. happened is you were walking and got within range of the car, but like, like you hit it right before you got in range of the car and then we're walking and then hit it as soon as like, like right as you got out of range, like that could have happened. Poor luck. But I don't know. I seem I to know. remember I was at the end of the aisle and I hit it and I saw my car like three or four up and then the lights flashed and everything and went off. But the thought that I had actually walked by my car when I was looking for it in the middle of the night when no one else is there, it's like quarter after midnight by this time, I've walked up and down so many aisles and yet 
there was a sound or a voice or a feeling look behind you and there's this person's car who we keep hitting we keep crossing paths. it's just weird 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 mm -hmm. situation so yeah i get those <laughs> you know one time that i had a real gut intuition that you reminded me of when you said the colorado springs airport and cars is i had a friend who went out um i don't know to california or something um and he took an uber to the airport so he didn't have a car so he asked if i could pick him up on his return but he landed at like 11 midnight like mm -hmm. pretty late um that. so i was like okay yeah I'll, I'll go pick you up um at the airport that's fine that's no big deal um and i took my dog with me um so mel bell was sitting in the passenger seat and I went down to drive um, to down to the airport to pick him up. And I was driving and I was literally just turning out of my neighborhood cul-de-sac. And that was when I got a really big gut feeling. And oh. it, I had a green light. I had a green turning arrow. And I was like, look both ways. And I looked both ways. And as soon as I did, there was a, just a car speeding towards me. And I slammed on my brakes because if I didn't, he would have T-boned me. Mm -hmm. right like where the driver's seat was i probably based on how fast he was going could have been at least significantly injured if not killed on impact yeah. um i slammed on the brakes so hard poor melody flew from the passenger seat into the foot compartment like into the little foot Aww. control because i i braked so hard and that mm -hmm. was one of that's probably one of the only times i've really gotten like a gut intuition of something i was like i i typically generally will look at least at least like somewhat glance as like when i go through an intersection but i had like a like make sure you check both ways when i i had a green arrow not just a green line a green arrow to yeah. turn and i was like maybe i should triple check and i looked up and sure enough there's a car speeding towards me he just ran the light it was yeah. like midnight so those are the that's exactly what i'm talking about those are the feelings you just feel like look both ways why but you follow those feelings because they're usually right and sometimes they're mm -hmm. not like the other day when I thought you were going to call and you didn't. I know. Okay. Yeah. But no harm, no foul. Yeah. I'll call her. <laughs> hey, how you doing? <laughs> you thinking about me? Cause I'm thinking about you. I don't and know. Your, your ears burning. I know. Um, yeah. Intuitions. I think um, they're interesting, especially if you're very in tuned with, with yourself and with the universe and you start to feel things because mm. I have them all the time, all the time. Mm. I remember this, that, um, that yes, first Friday, I, that. I know <laughs> that first Friday when, um, I actually told them before that was going to happen. They always had little giveaways oh, at the door. Yeah, you get, yeah, you, you, um, come in and they hand you a little ticket, a little raffle ticket to get some prizes or whatever. I never won those, whatever. I get my little glass of wine and go sit. Um, and we were sitting down and they were giving away a ticket for something. And I looked at dad and I said, Oh, he's going to pull my name. And he goes, what? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I said, just wait. And sure enough, it was Ian Ferguson. He lift, he put his hand in the thing and he goes, Ellen Phillips. And I thought, yep, there it is. <laughs> and dad was like, how did you know that? I thought, I don't know. I just knew he was going to pull my, I could feel it. I could feel it. What if it's your mind? Well, no, there's no way you could. I was going to say, what if it's your mind just deducing all the stuff based off of information, but there's no way you could have. Remember the feeling you had pulling out of the, that place where it was like, look both ways. It's those kind of things. You just, you feel it. It's super strong. More of mine. I like, I feel like a lot of that. I get confused though, with just second guessing myself because I very much get wrapped in 
especially when I'm being like very extrovertedly knowledgeable and I'm like, you know, leading a group, <laughs> re- leading a project and I'm planning stuff out based off of what we're looking at and trying to execute a task. I get very insecure and I think I'm like, there's like a thought in my head that's like, is what I know actually real? Like, like, how do I know that what I know is the proper thing to know, you know? <laughs> if you say so. <laughs> <laughs> like, like everything you know, how do you... How, how are you aware, I'll change it so we're not saying no 15 times, how are you certain that the stuff you have been taught and the information you have absorbed is correct? That is the theory of Immanuel Kant. Have you studied Probably. him yet? Well, we only I mean, know, know what we, we think took, we know. We took TOK in um, the DP program mm-hmm. and it, mm-hmm. we had a class called Theory of Knowledge and it was literally like if you had to sum up that class, it's how you know that what you know is what you know. Exactly. And it was exhausting, but it was interesting because oh, so interesting. Yeah, it, it's but it's really exhausting being like, okay, well, this is one thing, and then we're like, but how do you define that one thing? Is this subjective or is this objective? And like, it's fun when you're interested in certain topics, but if you do that with every waking moment, it's <laughs> fatiguing. Like, I remember we had to give some TOK presentation, and my friend and I actually did a PowerPoint on serial killing, and like. Like, I think we did it on morals, but that was really interesting because we went over a whole bunch of serial killers cases and like their pleads um, for the court cases and like all this stuff. And one person, I can't remember what the case was because it was so long ago, but there is a, this is a true story. Somebody who feigned insanity instead of like admitting that they did it and they just like feigned insanity to be like, oh, yes, I did this and I, but I was insane. So oh, a lot of like, people do that. Yeah, and he ended up getting put into, like, some mental facility. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what it was. Some, they did a TED Talk on this, too, um, because it has to go with, the, like, the the, um, the psych, psycho, the psychopath test. Wow, that was really hard for me to find. Anyways, he got put into, like, a mental facility of some sort. I'm sure I'm butchering what it is. Um, but when he was there, he all, like, the nurses diagnosed him with more than just what he pleaded he had and he found that he he couldn't get out because he couldn't convince them that he was sane after a certain point um and at what i remember the only like real detail i remember from that case is him not wanting to talk about his like personal life was like was written down as like a sign of like afraiding of being afraid to socialize or whatever and he had said like I think only in a mental facility would not wanting to share your life with the psychopath, like other psychopaths, be and other serial killers, be considered like something wrong. Because yeah, you they're need looking to wa- for something. You need to watch the movie One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest because that's the whole premise of it. <clears throat> Jack Nicholson is the, the, great. The serial killer movie? Mm-hmm. No, uh, he's not. Sorry, I had to tickle my throat. Um, he's not a serial killer. He's, I think, I saw it so long ago, it's from the 70s, <clears throat> probably really dated now, but I think he was a newspaper reporter that was going, he, he pretended to be what they call cuckoo at the time and to go into this sanitarium and, and to kind of get the scoop on it. And he didn't want to participate because he didn't think he was insane. And all the doctors analyzed him as being insane and he couldn't get out. <laughs> Well, that's a true story, the one that I was telling. It's like a guy who committed a crime and couldn't convince them that he was sane, and he ended up, like, extending his sentence for, like, 40-plus years because he couldn't get out of this place. Yeah, um, yeah anyways, um, talking about 
back to let, let us return to our sheep as the french say um back to the original point of how do you know that what you know is what you know oh right right <laughs> I'm like, what were we talking about? Um, I, I wonder if, I often wonder if my intuition, I second guess it because I arrive at a lot of conclusions very fast. And then a little part of me is like, well, how do I know that that's right? Because if I can't explain it with a reasoning, is mm -hmm. it always right? And usually seven and a half times out of 10, I'd say I'm correct. That's like a 75 I think these are two different things. I think you're getting to yours from a cognitive point and just maybe because you're just smart you're like oh, oh i can yes. jump i can jump from a to z because i don't need all those other letters of the alphabet to go through i just can get it and a lot of people can do that the things that i'm feeling i they just hit me i'm not even thinking yeah, about I, I wasn't thinking to myself look behind me or anything like that or yeah i'm gonna have this kid those are just feelings that come well the more like the one like that i'm thinking of when i'm referring to this is the times when I get worried about eating foods that mm. are like, you know, that might have a peanut in it. Because if I look on the back and there's nothing there, I'm always like, you know, am I sure about this? Is it something that I'm worried about? Am I paranoid? Am I certain that this is a danger right now? Because it says that it's fine, but my gut is saying that it's not. And at the end of the day, I decide not to risk it because I'd rather be alive and wrong than dead right. and correct. That's right. Uh, sometimes it's just some cross-contamination and, and maybe that's what you're feeling or maybe it's yeah, just a feeling that's good. completely wrong feeling but I would always go with my gut if I felt that kind of thing for sure yeah I typically do I've had it at least once where I was like holy crap <laughs> <laughs> um okay I don't know how long we've been here um and this turned into our psychological um analysis episode who knew <laughs> um, it's but fun it's it so interesting I have a, a trivia quiz that I want to give you just for fun because I like ending on quizzes. I think they're enjoyable. Are you getting back mm -hmm. noise? I'll try not to touch this. Uh, I've had mic issues. If you've been with us since the beginning, all of the sound issues have been my fault. <laughs> no, not really. It's it's more like I've been saying. It's more just the fact that we're in from two separate locations and we've been focused on audio and video. So it's just yeah. there's so many cogs and places that things could go wrong where it's not the video this time it's the audio and it's not the audio this time it's the volume and this time it's the signal and this time it's the connection it's just so many different variables i know we may have to stop videoing us just to get the audio <laughs> who knows we'll I see i think i figured it out so. okay keeping our fingers crossed okay i have a quiz for you my darling would you like to take a quiz today sure okay i um have a quiz and i've I've learned from the Beatle quiz that we did in like episode four when I choked on that um, to print the questions out. So they're all printed. And I've actually uh, kind of pre-screened them to make sure that they're not like these really obscure things. But you are living in Britain. You are a Brit. You are an American. You're a dual citizen. And I think uh, you need to know some things about the UK. So I've got a quiz of things that I think you should know. And I want to see if you do know them. All right. Mm -hmm. I think there's 10 questions. Um, oh, and then also each one has a bonus point. So you have the chance of scoring 20 out of 10 on this quiz. Okay. Nice. Okay. So first one, who is the reigning monarch of the UK? Elizabeth II. Oh, very good. You got them both. I was good. I thought you were going to say the queen. <laughs> and then part oh. two, the bonus was what is her full name? So yes, it is. For queen some reason, Elizabeth. I almost said Victoria and I was like, that's not right. That's not right. No, it's okay. because there's a statue in Leeds of Victoria. Ah, yes, Victoria Leeds. There you go. Yeah. 
Um, and they have very, very nice Victorian architecture there, which is beautiful. So good, you got two points on that, yay you. Um, okay, what are the two major political parties in the UK? Tory, and for some reason I am drawing a blank on the other, Labour. Very good. I was like, okay. it's an L, but and it's for some, I was like, it's an L, and it's not laundry. That's what my head says. <laughs> laundry. <laughs> what political party do you identify with? Laundry party. Thank laundry. you very much. I That's identify funny. with clean clothes and good smells. Nice. Okay, so your bonus on that is which one is the conservative group and which is the liberal group? Liberal labor. Very good. So Tory conservative. Yes. yes. Very good. Good job. Um, this is pretty easy, and I threw this in in case you were choking at this point. But where's the cop? The where's the capital of England? London. London. <laughs> okay. And the bonus uh, portion of that is what event destroyed two thirds of the city in 1666? Ooh, I know. It was either it was fire. It was. It was the Great Fire of London. Very good. Oh. I was thinking it was something to do with uh, the parliament, but it no, was a fire. No. I knew that. It started, yeah, it started in a bakery. Yeah, one of their ovens caught fire, and they just, everything was made of wood, and it was all dry, and it just torched two-thirds oh. of the city. Yeah, crazy. Um, okay, so you're doing great. You've got uh, six out of three so far. Uh, who is the current prime minister? Boris Johnson. Yes, it is. And what, the bonus, what is his political party? Tory. Very good. Look at you. Eight out of First, four. I panicked because there was a recent election and I didn't yes. really follow it. And I, I doubted that he was still in office for a split second. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, he is still there. Um, okay. Um, there are motorways all over the UK. Correct. Name, name three of, of the motorways. There's like 50 of them. So name three of them. And I'll give you a hint. They're usually numbered. Most, In fact, they probably all are. Carl, and know, Bob, and Carol. Those are numbers? What is you wrong said with name you? three of them. I assigned them names. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know what? I think I deserve a point for creativity there. There you go. Well, I'm, I'm going to catch you some slack because you don't drive there, but there's the M1, the M2, the M3, the M4, the M5, the M6. The A64. No, an A is an A road. An M is a motorway. Oh. That's okay. Um, my bus goes on the A64. That's all I so it's an A road. Nice. Um, okay. Well, you can still get a chance to get a bonus question here. Um, which motorway goes around central London? The circle one. It's the um, ring road. I don't, what, I don't know what it's called. Oh, the M25. Okay. That's I don't live in no London. Worries. How am I supposed to know that? I know. You don't live in London and you don't <laughs> drive. So that's okay. I'll cut you some slack on that. Okay. Um, there are a lot of train stations all around England. We've talked about this and how easy they are to navigate in a previous episode. Uh, name three of the major train stations in London. King's Cross, Paddington, and St. Pancras. Very good, very good. Euston is another one, right? Yep, Euston is. Uh, Waterloo, Paddington, Victoria, Charing Cross, and London Bridge are the biggies. Um, I said Paddington. Yes, you did. Um, and the bonus question there is if you want to get out to Heathrow, which one of the train stations will you go to? Paddington. Paddington, very good. Should catch the Heathrow Express. Okay, um, question number seven, you're doing well. Um, the tube is a very common form of transportation in London. Mm -hmm. There are 11 tube lines 
-hmm. Name six. Name six of them. Bakerloo, Hammersmith and City, Circle, District, Metropolitan, Jubilee. Very good. Central, Northern. Yep. Yep. Um, am I missing any other colors? There's the the really tiny blue one that goes like three stops. Waterloo. Waterloo and City. Yep. Um, which which one gets out to Heathrow? Jubilee. No, sorry, Victoria. Piccadilly. Well, Victoria is no Vic, Vic, Victoria is the one that I'm missing. Yes, you did miss Victoria. That was the one you didn't say. That's okay. No worries. You did really well on that. You got. I think you got all ten of out of eleven. Uh, I got all. Yeah. Of them. You missed Piccadilly. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I did. Uh, that's okay. Um, okay, and they're all colored, right? Mm-hmm. So, can you name the color of three of the lines? I bet you can okay. name them all. I could. Baker Lewis Brown. Yep. Amherst the City's pink. Metropolitan's like a dark pink. Um, yep. Circle is me. Circle is yellow. District is green. Yep. Um, Waterloo and City is like a really, it's like a teal. Mm-hmm. Um, Victoria's a light blue. Piccadilly's yep. dark blue. Central is red. Northern's black. Beautiful. You got them all. Nice. <laughs> nice, 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 nice. Look at my kid. Okay. Um, England is doing really well in the soccer right now. They just got made it to the they final. They just made it to the finals. Made it to the final of the Euro Cup, which is amazing. Um, but in England alone, they have um, Premier League, or Premier League, I guess it's called Premier, um, named three of the Premier soccer league teams. Well, Leeds got moved up to Premier League. Okay. So Leeds. Leeds United. Um, Man U. Yep. And Chelsea. There you go. And I have a list of all 20, which is not I on know. this page. Oh. Yeah, that's it. We won't, we won't embellish. Which ones did you name? You named them. Um, Leeds. Manu. You, oh, Manu and Chelsea. Leeds. Okay, good. Yeah. Okay. Um, David Beckham is a celebrity here in America, but he was originally a football player in the UK. Okay. You know who David Beckham is? Um, sure. Mar- he, he was married to a Spice Girl. Or I think he still is. I don't know. Anyways, uh, what soccer team did he play for? Man United. Very good. Oh, that was a total shot in the dark. That was it. That's my intuition on that one. Yeah, he played for a couple teams outside of of the UK. But when he was in the UK, it was Man United. Good job. Um, Okay, so the Queen has six official residences in the United Kingdom. Name one of them. Buckingham Palace. Very good. Can you name any others? Uh, Some place in Scotland. No worries. There's Windsor Castle. Camera Obscura. (laughs) Windsor Castle, Balmoral Castle, Sandringham Estate, Holyrood Palace, and Hillsborough Castle. The bonus question. Name one of the six that is not in the UK that I just named. Um, re-say the names again? Yes. Buckingham Palace, Windsor Castle, Balmoral Castle, Sandringham Estate, Holyrood Palace, and Hillsborough Castle. Hollywood Palace. It's Hollywood, but yes, that's correct. Did I say Hollywood? Yeah, that's okay. I know. Hollywood is a, Hollywood's up in Scotland, as is Balmoral, and um, Hillsborough is in Ireland. So you're doing Another shot in the dark. Look at that. Okay. Um, You've heard of the crown jewels? Yes. We've all heard of the crown jewels. Okay, there are um, six pieces to the crown jewels. I think. Um, name one of them. 
The crown. Very good. Uh, crown, there, crown jewels. Uh, there's there's two crowns. There's the orb, the scepter, and the scepter. ring. And then there's and the, the, two swords. So one, two, three, four, five. Okay. There's five pieces. There's five pieces. Mm-hmm. Um, very good. Uh, bonus question on that. Where are they kept? I know this. They had it in Sherlock. The... Let's see. They had a bank, and it wasn't the bank. They had the Tower of London. That's it. It's in the tower. Exactly. Very, very good. So you did exceptionally well. Those are my questions. Um, the only thing you didn't get was um, you got the fire Anywhere. prime minister, the motorways. Yeah. So you got 18 out of 10. Ooh. 18 out of 10. Well done. How did you do at home? And, and 180% success rate. Nice. Were you following along? And how did you do on our UK quiz? Let us know. Thought you were asking me for a second i was like was yeah. i following along of course i was <laughs> <laughs> did you not hear me answering the question <laughs> um yeah. yeah so that's all i got for today that was a pretty long episode we got a little on tangents we may have to divide it into a couple episodes <laughs> and that'd nah. be okay that'd be okay <laughs> if you're joining us on youtube thank you for joining us we appreciate you being here make sure you're subscribed with the notification bell turned on If you're listening to us on any podcast streaming platforms, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or any others, welcome. Thanks for being here. We love to have you. Um, Yeah, continue to check us out because we'll be here. And we have a lot of socials that you should follow. Facebook and Instagram, both just Girls Across the Pond, and our website with lots of cool blog posts and other fun things, shenanigans, and cute puppy pictures um that's just girlsacrossthepond.com um any of those you can chat with us and tell us how you did on the quiz tell us some gut instinct intuitions you've had or if you know what your Meyer Briggs type is or you don't and you want me to help you figure it out send me a message on girls across the pond because i'd love to help you that's fun there you go there you, you go. are all puzzles in my mind <laughs> we've got so many cool things coming up so um stay tuned we've got more than we can do i i would actually like to do this podcast three times a week just to keep up with all the material we have so yeah definitely stay tuned and uh thank you for listening mm-hmm. see you in our next episode everybody 